For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. From Meat Eater's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. A Washington man was recently charged with failure to report the killing of a grizzly bear and violating the Lacey Act by transporting the bear's claws across state lines. The Spokane man killed the bear in the Bob Marshall Wilderness area in Montana sometime between September of 2017 and March of 2018 in a self-defense situation. Failure to report shooting a grizzly bear, which is still listed as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act, is punishable by up to six months in prison and $25,000 fine. So that's one issue. The other is his violation of the Lacey Act. To clarify, the Lacey Act was created in 1900 to ban trafficking, transporting, or possession of illegal wildlife. To further clarify, if you shoot, kill, and just lop off the toes of any bear, that would be considered illegal. But if you were then to transport those toes across state lines, that's a whole new world of illegality. Now, I'm a firm believer in innocent until proven guilty, and this man has pleaded not guilty, so let's reserve judgment. In my experience, if you start off lying to a game warden, which he did by not reporting the bear shooting in the first place, and you happen to save some grizzly bear toes in your house, you aren't exactly stepping into court on the right foot. This week, we've got fanged deer, migration corridors, mammoths, whales, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I joined up with some old college friends, spent the weekend catching up over a couple of long nights. Basically, we behaved like college kids, but we managed to get some hunting in as well, primarily for antelope. Pronghorn antelope are incredible animals for a number of reasons. First, they taste phenomenal. Second, they're the only horned animal in the world that sheds its horns. The horn sheath is the part that actually comes off, and the horn core, the hard part on the inside, remains. Additionally, the horn is forked, hence pronghorn, and it is the only forked horn in the world. 
third, it's arguably the fastest land animal on Earth. Anilocapra americana tops out at about 60 miles per hour at a dead sprint. The cheetah, which the antelope is often compared to, can run faster, but not by much, and cheetahs don't have near the endurance of a pronghorn. This comparison is kind of silly, however, since an African cheetah will never meet an American pronghorned antelope. None of the current North American predators, like wolves, bears, cougars, jaguars, lynx, coyotes, ocelots, and bobcats, to name a few, can even come close to running as fast as the antelope can. Wolves come the closest, but still top out at roughly 37 miles per hour. So, why the heck are antelopes so fast? One theory goes that they develop their speed alongside extinct predators like the American cheetah. American cheetah fossils have been found in Wyoming, so we know they roam the same prairies. I think the lesson here is that if you can outrun your biggest predator, you will likely outlive them by roughly 12,000 years and counting. But speed won't get you everything. Just look at your father in his midlife crisis car. Today's antelope run into issues with fences, literally, as in they actually collide with fences and get torn open or hung up on a regular basis, sometimes with lethal consequences. The evolutionary theory here goes that they never really needed to jump, as there aren't a lot of downed logs on the prairie, and fencing is a relatively new, though very pervasive addition to their habitat. To be clear, these animals can jump, just not very well. If you watch a group of antelope long enough, a few will hurtle over low fence lines, but fencing in pronghorn country presents a serious issue. The good news is that just about every state with antelope has a program to help folks with fences. You can switch those old crotch of your jeans and antelope ripping fences over to wildlife-friendly fences. If you are interested, call your state fish and game agency. You may even save yourself some hard-earned dough as an animal that can get through a fence without tearing themselves up also won't tear your fence up, causing you to force your kids to fix them. Uh, By the way, we got a bunch of opportunities at filling two antelope tags. We hunted a mix of BLM, block management, state, and private land. My good buddy Strawn came to the conclusion uh, multiple times that flying with your own rifle isn't that big of a pain after all, and he'll probably do so on the next trip. Our good buddy Carl got a nice young antelope buck, but he just turned 39, so those days are nearly over for him. Moving on to our Wyoming desk, and this has something in line with mending fences. If you like healthy game populations, and you like diverse interests working together, like ranchers, hunters, county commissioners, miners, and steelworkers, you could probably fit into Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon's Migration Corridor Advisory Group. This collection of strange bedfellows has been working exhaustively to find a solution to Wyoming's migration corridors that will likely make nobody entirely happy, but everybody kind of sort of happy. Most importantly, this group keeps Wyoming fish and game biologists involved in corridor designations and management. Recently, a new bill, the easily readable Designation of Migration Corridors from the Select Federal Natural Resource Management Committee for the Wyoming State Legislature Draft Bill Number 20LSO-02505, was introduced in the Wyoming State House. If passed, this legislation would exclude game managers from conversations about resolving the migration corridor issue. Instead, this bill relies on opinion from agencies like the Department of Revenue, Department of Environmental Quality, and the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission to determine how and where animals can migrate. Economics play a role in everything. I'm not blind to that. But if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck... (coughs) 
let's call it a duck. If we were deciding the fate of animals and migration corridors from sage-grouse to giant screaming bull elk and wily world-renowned mule deer, shouldn't the folks who are experts on those animals be involved in the process? Anyone who lives, recreates, or hopes to recreate in the state of Wyoming needs to pay attention to this one. Again, you can always call the duly elected state representatives to let them know you care about these things, and of course it always helps if you let them know how much you care and dollars spent on hotels, fishing and hunting licenses, gas, food, and those little license plates, spoons, cups, and trinkets with your name on them that you just can't find anywhere else than in the great state of Wyoming. If you did not know already, Cal's Week in Review is brought to you by Steel Power Equipment. They make all sorts of great stuff for those of us who like to cut things like firewood, kitchen cabinets, and even antlers off a live deer. As a general rule, I don't recommend that last one, but drastic circumstances require drastic measures. This past November 6, a couple of Michiganders in Bound Township, which is real close to Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is kind of off on the lower lookers left of the Mitten State, noticed a couple of eight-point bucks, what we would call four-by-four bucks here in Montana, locked up in a duel. The sparring bucks had literally mashed their antlers together in such a way that they became completely locked together. The Michigan men approached the deer, who by this time had worked themselves into a creek and were approaching dire consequences. Fast work, quick thinking, and handy tools seem to have saved the lives of these two deer. The men in question employed a tree limb saw, which I am not sure on this, but appears to be a steel pull pruner. Could have been an HT-103, maybe even an HT-132. It's hard to say for sure. What we do know is that features like the semi-automatic choke lever, one-touch stop, no-slip grip clamp, and one-quarter-inch steel Pico Micro 3 saw chain make for a fast and convenient tool that delivers clean cuts even on antlers still attached to thrashing deer. The other fact that comes as no surprise is all the men involved, Mark Johnson, Brad Lyons, and Randy Wilcox, are hunters. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support, and that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person, and that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition. 
of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Now, if you're one of those people thinking, wow, two big eight-point bucks, I wonder what their poop looks like. To be more specific, you might wonder if a person can tell the difference between their poop and that of a mature doe. If so, you're not alone. Turns out a lot of people have pondered this question. Meat Eater's own Spencer Newharth gives a definitive answer to this and many other burning conundrums at TheMeatEater.com's fact checker. Everyone knows that scattered piles of pellet-shaped scat are from does and large piles of soft scat are produced by bucks, right? Wrong. In fact, you don't know crap. Pellet shape, density, and configuration have nothing to do with the sex of the author, just the diet. This, of course, flies in the face of years of knowledge handed down from grandfathers and uncles to kids. Find out more at TheMeatEater.com. Full disclosure on this one, I have often remarked about the size of the bull in front of us to a fellow hunter based upon the feces in the trail. Turns out, I wasn't just seeing the bull crap, I was full of it too. Moving on to the lost and found desk. If you've been wondering where the silver-backed chevrotain had gone, you can rest easy. Turns out they were and are in the same place you last saw them, the region spanning Vietnam and Laos called the Greater Anamites. The last official recognized specimen of a silver-backed chevrotain was presented to a joint Vietnamese-Russian expedition by a local hunter in 1990. Prior to that, researchers obtained four of the commonly called Vietnamese mouse deer in 1910, which is quite the gap. The chevrotain is the world's smallest ungulate, about the size of a large rabbit. The biggest tops out at about 17 pounds. For comparison, the smallest deer in the U.S. is the key deer, and they weigh about 70 pounds at their largest. Interestingly enough, if you are looking for the world's smallest deer, and not just the world's smallest ungulate, you'll have to go to South America, not Vietnam, where you'll find the southern pudu. The southern pudu stands 14 inches tall and maxes out around 13 pounds. But we aren't talking about pudu, we're talking about silverback chevrotains. Getting back on track, the Vietnamese mouse deer, as they've been called, have been lost from science for nearly 30 years. In addition to being highly elusive and small in stature, the chevrotain has fangs or tusks instead of antlers, and they're not unique in that way. Quite a few deer across the world match that description. If you ask the University of Montana professor and writer of the book Animal Weapons, Doug Emlin, all deer started out with fangs or tusks, including the deer we know here in the U.S. Those black patches on the chin of the whitetail would have made an ideal background to show off a pearly white tusk to a friendly female or an intrusive male. 
Just the other day, our own senior editor Brody Henderson was cleaning mule deer skulls and found on one skull a set of teeth that looked strange today, but back about 12,000 years ago or so would have been commonplace. But while mule deer and whitetail traded those long teeth for antlers, somewhere along the way, the musk deer, Chinese water deer, moot jack, and the silver-flanked chevrotain did not. Recently, researchers gathered photographic evidence of live chevrotains by using camera traps. The wildlife conservation community is really excited and currently trying to figure out how to make sure these reclusive deer stick around for the long term. What they have against them is nothing new. Habitat loss and unrestricted subsistence and market hunting, but hope isn't lost for these deer. They inhabit the Anamite Range, a place where a number of the Earth's rare animals have managed to hang on. The region is home to the Indo-Chinese tiger, of which only 20 may remain in Vietnam. The critically endangered pangolin, that scaly anteater-looking creature that is poached to supply all sorts of traditional medicine for everything from hangovers to lazy libidos, and the gar, G-A-U-R, which is the largest of the wild cattle. Sometimes hitting 10 feet in length, 7 foot in height, and over 3,000 pounds in weight. Hopefully, if something as big as the gar can hold on in the Ammonites, the diminutive Vietnamese mouse deer can too. Switching continents and moving on to Tultepec, which is north of Mexico City, Mexico. So far, remains from 14 different woolly mammoths have been found in two pits that appear to be purpose-built traps. This is a big deal because it was previously thought that early humans would only hunt woolly mammoths that were sick or incapacitated in some way. Or maybe even the only mammoth meat early man obtained was by scavenging the carcasses of mammoths. This discovery suggests that healthy mammoths were hunted by organized early hunters who herded them, in this case into two traps, five and a half foot deep and 82 feet long. Mammoths must not have much of a vertical. During the excavation of what was originally planned to be a garbage dump in Tultepec, 824 mammoth bones were discovered, including 179 rib bones, 5 jaws, 100 vertebra, and 8 skulls, with a bit of bycatch thrown in, in the form of an unlucky camel and a horse. You would think if your target were mammoth, you would throw that small stuff back. <laughs> anyway, as you might expect, a new, exciting, potentially game-changing discovery like this involves lots of guesswork when it comes to interpreting the stories told by these old bones. For instance, there are only right shoulder blades present, no left ones. The skulls were found upside down, not right side up, and one mammoth shoulder that was found in what was determined to be, of course, a ritualistic position showed a healed fracture. The upside down skulls had to take some effort to turn over, so the hunters must have been after the tongues. The missing scapulas? Well, we aren't sure, but it has got to have a deeper meaning. The healed shoulder bone? Well, that was an old wily mammoth that had been hunted and wounded before and they paid that animal particular respect by placing the bones in a manner according with their post-hunt trophy rituals. You know, sure, that all could very well be the case. It certainly is really neat if that's all true. There are several sites in North America and Europe that, like this one, show evidence of humans butchering mammoths. But this site alone suggests that early humans from 15,000 years ago organized to hunt the 11-foot-tall, 8-ton mammals. Even if you forget the fact that humans have progressively gotten larger since this time, and not always in good ways if you look at obesity rates here in America, 
I would agree that the evidence represented here in Mexico is incredible and exciting as it shows a mammoth undertaking by early human hunters, and it's something to be talking about. I'll probably wait for some more stuff to come out of the ground before I subscribe to the ritual theories of broken or missing scapulas. Sometimes you just drop stuff and leave it when you have a lot of butchering work to do. But fortunately, whether a bone is just dropped or placed ritualistically, it's still really interesting when they're this old and just found. And admittedly, and I think fortunately, I have been butchering an animal and come across old scars on its hide sometimes, on its bones, other times, and have come up with some pretty good theories too. Now, we are going to Scotland and only 5,000 years back to talk about the hunting of whales, another mammoth mammal. A new DNA analysis has revealed the origin of an ancient whale vertebra excavated at an Iron Age Scottish site in the Orkney Islands to be that of a fin whale. The fin whale is the second largest whale on Earth behind the blue whale. It can swim up to 28 miles per hour and grow to more than 85 feet in length. So, does the presence of a fin whale bone indicate that these old Scots were hunting whales? Probably not. It is just one bone. But there are a lot of other big sea mammal bones here as well. DNA analysis confirms bones from humpback whales, sperm whales, and mink whales, all smaller than a fin whale, but still a whale. A large presence of bones, but we still don't know if they were scavenged or hunted. But if you take a look at rock art in South Korea, it appears humans were hunting, not just scavenging whales, about 9,000 years ago. And peoples in many other places, some still known for whaling, were actively hunting 4,000 years ago. But the fin whale, due primarily to its size, wasn't hunted with gusto until the mid-19th century when technological advances like the explosive harpoon came around. So again, does the presence of a fin whale bone indicate that Iron Age Orkney Island Scots hunted them? We don't know, but I wouldn't say it was out of the question. I imagine the first ancient sperm whale hunter or the first mammoth hunter, that positive thinking and likely hungry hunter who first suggested that killing an 8-ton, 11-foot-tall hairy elephant with giant tusks or an 80-foot-long sea creature to all of their 4.5-foot to 5-foot-tall friends was even possible probably didn't get taken too seriously by those folks. But I bet they showed up to the barbecue after that hunter proved them wrong. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening. And as always, be sure to let me know how I'm doing by leaving me a review and hitting that furthest right-hand star. Get a hold of me at askcal at themeateater.com. That's A-S-K-C-A-L at themeateater.com. And tell your friends to listen to Cal's Week in Review. Talk to you next week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet 
you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.